I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, the founder of Miles to Memories, joined as always by Mark Osterman, our managing editor, and Joe Chung. Before we get into the show, if you like this show, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us in the app that you're listening to right now, or just head to mtmpodcast.com for all of the links. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good. I uh, went to Cleveland for one night, made my way back. So I stayed at Intercontinental Suites, which I didn't even know was a thing. And I Sounds fancier than it is, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know like if there's many of these or if this is like a one-off thing because it's attached to Cleveland Clinic. And it's weird. I called the front desk to order uh, room service and there's a Holiday Inn right next door. And they're like, this is the front desk for Holiday Inn slash Intercontinental uh, Suites. So I was like, Oh, okay. So you guys are sharing stuff? Like, that's really weird. And there's a, a regular Intercontinental down the road, which is actually really nice. So anyway, I, I walk into the room, and it basically looks like a, a small, slightly better version of Extended Stay. And I was like, well, I don't know why they have the Intercontinental name on this. This could have been like a Staybridge Suites or something, or <laughs> whatever the IHG Extended uh, version is. But it was a little weird. Uh, service was fine. The room was okay, but it, I wouldn't even call it a suite. Like, it's kind of like how a Hyatt places a suite where you have like a couch, but they don't even have like the mini divider and it's not even close to as big as a Hyatt place. So I don't know. I felt shafted a bit. It's the reverse resorts world in that the hotels aren't <laughs> separate. They're shared, shared space. Yeah, but they're not really like they're in the same area, but they're not really connected at all. I don't know. It's They're next to each other, but it's not like. That makes it even more reverse resource world because resource world's all like the same building, right? But they're separate hotels. Yeah, these are yeah. separate buildings, same hotel. Yeah. It's just like a Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Long John Silver's all under. You just under have to walk week. next door, but they're going to be like, yeah. "Hey, you want to order Taco Bell?" And then you have to go next door to pick it up. I guess I don't know. It was really I was I was kind of taken aback when I got that message. Like, thanks for calling the Holiday Inn slash Intercontinental Suites. Uh, what? Well, and, and there's nothing you want more when you're staying in an Intercontinental for them to answer the phone. This is the Holiday Inn Express, you know, or whatever it is. So, yeah, or Holiday Inn. So, yeah, it's uh, that's a crazy thing. I hadn't heard of that brand at all, the Intercontinental Suites. So we'll have to look into yeah. that. More. You is actually it better than Hyatt House? <laughs> they uh, no, it's not. Um, they they built this one and everybody's like, well, this sucks. So they stopped building them. Maybe I don't know. I would take a Hyatt place or Hyatt house over it any day. The room setup is better. You actually have like a separated area. I mean, there was a tiny kitchenette with like a fridge and a Keurig. That was about it. A sink, which I don't know why you need the sink. You don't have anything else. It's not like you have anything to cook on. So like a Hyatt house at least has cooking stuff or a. a stovetop type of thing this had nothing like that it had a couch just next next to the bed but not like in a separate area and then it has a little table with two chairs instead of you know having a desk i guess i don't know it was really weird it just it felt very cheap and for an intercontinental that's kind of sad now joe people out there don't know but you're doing this show live from a heart-shaped bathtub uh, i wish as we I wish. speak I'm, uh, <laughs> how you his parents put it in 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, we love the heart-shaped tub so much that uh, we installed one at home in New Jersey. No, I'm not in the Poconos anymore. I'm back in New Jersey continuing to travel. I think uh, I will be on the road for four episodes straight, possibly, unless I take a week off. So, uh, But yeah, back in New Man, Jersey. Man, sounds, like sounds like a teacher's calendar. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The only uh, calendar that tops that is the stay-at-home dad. Am I right? Very true. Very true. Every day's vacation. Not really. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we're down here. I'm actually going to D.C. tomorrow um, with just my son and my dad taking a uh, boys trip. So we're taking the Acela down. Uh, my son could not be more excited. So uh, that'll be pretty cool. So we'll see how that goes just for a couple of days. I'm surprised Mark didn't flame you for riding the train. Why? I, I, I think the train's a good only way me, to go. Only me. Anytime Amtrak comes up anywhere, he has to. <laughs> well, I mean, someone sure. who works for the site is obsessed with it. Not me. Yeah, yeah not, not me. Not me. I, I was up until no. they just stranded me out in the middle of nowhere for days. But I think it's different when you're doing like a commuter train versus, you know, cross country type of train. That's where you run into issues. But New York to D.C. or Boston to D.C. or Newark to D.C., I, don't, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. Like what? trouble you're gonna run into yeah plus i'm doing it for a six-year-old so it's not like it's my <laughs> lifelong dream yeah. i do have to i have to take my son on one and get a room at with like the beds and everything and do like one overnight and then i'll be like sean and just get off early and fly the rest of the way and be like i'm done with this i'm walking off well i did that because i was delayed like over 24 hours and that was the last time i was in denver i took the train out of denver heading west and uh, towards california that's supposedly incredibly beautiful and i didn't get to see much of it because we were so delayed coming out of denver that it was nighttime by the time we were getting through the pretty areas and all of that but i'm excited because we're going to be back in denver this week mark so i'm excited for that our patreon mtm diamond meetup our first big meetup for that group is this weekend and that's going to be a lot of fun so i'm really looking forward to that yeah i mean the person that planned it did a really good job so I will say we'll see that like remains be to be awesome. seen <laughs> <laughs> and it, for Just people kidding. that don't know you did do I a great job it. I planned it, so that's why I say that. But uh, it's going to be uh, some cool stuff. We got cocktail thing Friday night on like the 40th floor overlooking mountains and should have a sunset, hopefully. That's pretty cool. And then uh, Saturday, we're, we got a cabana suite at the Rockies game. So we're going to be hanging out with that with our own private bartender and everything. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And I probably won't watch any baseball as a PDX Steels guy. It, it drives him crazy that I don't. Or, and Joe brings it up too. But uh, I will have a good time for sure. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we've been doing this uh, Diamond Patreon group for, for so long, and uh, it's good to finally be able to see the people in person to be able to put on these events, because it is such a cool social uh, aspect to it, and uh, of course, this is a shameless plug. If anybody is out there is interested in joining for future trips uh, to be part of the community, we have a private Facebook group that comes out. We do bonus content every week. We also just launched Slack, which we wanted to tell people about as well, so we had Discord, which is a chat software, but... More people preferred Slack, so now we have Slack for the Diamond community, plus Facebook, plus these meetups, plus our bonus content, $10 a month, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Denver. If anybody who's in the group's going to be there, can't wait to see you guys there. It's going to be an incredible weekend, and I will watch some baseball. I'll watch baseball for you while we're there. There you go. The, go there for you it. Go. So make everybody Is that happy. your first time at course? You watch... You watch no. baseball for me, and uh, I'll drink beer for you. How about that? That sounds good. Good trade-off. No, the first time I was at Coors Field, my son and I were in Denver, and we got like $6 tickets. They had these special tickets for their like their worst seats. They're way out in the outfield, and there's this like one section where they sell them really cheap. And the game was so empty that every inning we moved to different seats, and we ended up 
on the ninth inning, sitting right behind the first base dugout. So it was kind of fun. I really, I really like Coors Field and the area around it. It's one of the few ones that's like, you know, has a lot of bars and restaurants all around the stadium. So it's easy to find something to do before the game, after the game. The field's really pretty. A lot of views. I mean, you can see the mountains from it and everything. So it's one of the better parks I've been to for sure. You know what's more picturesque than Coors Field in Denver? Tonga. Well, we think. We think. Well, just from the pictures, it seems like. Yeah. I've never been. They yeah. probably will never go. I wonder if that's one of the ones Ryan's been to or not. I'll have to I'll have to ask him. I, I forgot to ask him if he's ever been there as one of his countries. Yeah, most of the people that you'll ever meet that have been there are country collectors, right? People who are trying to get to every country because it's such a remote island nation. And, of course, Zoe has been writing for the site. She's been trapped there since the beginning of COVID. So that's uh, going yeah. on, what, 15 months? She flew in just for like a weekend because she was uh, living in China. And she flew in there just like, oh, I'm going to take a weekend at the beach or whatever. And then everything started closing down like the next day. So she tried to get a flight back, but, you know, all the borders shut down right away. So she kind of got stuck there. And, you know, she she just shared with us. She thinks it's finally time to leave. You know, even though she has a pretty decent setup there, it's just she's done what she can do, essentially, is the, is the way I took it. Yeah, it's interesting as she talks about it, And she had a post on the site, and that's kind of what we're discussing. Uh, first off, you know, her her loss for getting stuck there has been our gain for the site. Just having her write and her perspective on everything has been appreciated. And I love her posts and her content, especially when she's talking about Tonga. So I highly recommend reading that post because it was a a very long sort of detailed post about where she's been where she is now and where she's going. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's been stuck there. The kind of interesting thing about reading about how her getting ready to leave is to your point, she's house sitting in Tonga. She has kind of a nice setup right by the beach going back to the UK where we'll talk about this later. Everything is moving so quickly when it comes to COVID restrictions and things going backwards in some cases. So a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, but I guess that's all part of her adventure, right? We should say Tonga is one of the five countries left that has had zero COVID cases. She's never had to wear a mask. So like a totally different experience of the last. <laughs> and everybody listening is like, oh, why would you be sick of that? Like who uh, let me move there type of thing. So that's kind of crazy to think like you've never experienced any of this basically besides being trapped in a place you don't want to be. But <laughs> other than that, like it's business is normal business as usual, you know, which is kind of crazy. Joe, what do you think it would have been like to, to be on an island for 15 months compared to all of the realities of life as we've lived them since the do we beginning get, of COVID? Do we get to leave the kids at home in this uh, theoretical? <laughs> I, I, sure. really, I really think it depends on the island. My sister moved to Hawaii for six months during this, and it wasn't Tonga-free, but it was pretty free overall. Yes, they have to wear masks indoors, but in general, you know, they just lived life pretty normally and not... You know, there was not the level of hospitalizations that we saw on the mainland, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think depending on where it is, it would be pretty cool. I don't know if I'd want to be stranded on an island that I have no familiarity with and have to learn the ropes from scratch. But if I already lived on an island when this all started and the island was pretty isolated from everywhere else, uh, I think it would have been pretty good. But that being said, I almost feel like I know you're joking about the kids, Mark, but if I'm going to be stranded on an island for 15 months it's actually probably better to have a family because I'm not worried about, you know, meeting people or whatever. Like my social life at least can revolve around my family. Uh, whereas for Zoe, I'm sure it's a lot tougher. She didn't, she barely knew anyone when she got stranded there. Right. So I think, um, or when she chose, yeah, to I knew, there. knew no one, knew no yeah. one. Cause I mean, so, she'd only been there for a day basically. 
having a panic attack just even thinking about that. So I don't want to be stranded on an island by myself. Uh, but, you know, if the family's there, yes, they, they can be annoying, but you, you make it work. At least you have your family. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, you think about this, how she ended up finding a house. You have to have, like, be open and be into social skills and talking to people just to find, like, a house to house to that. She was staying at, like, a resort that they put up expats at for a little bit. And then she ended up finding this house where the people that own the house are, you know, are basically stranded outside of Tonga. So they had her watch their dogs and, and cat and everything. So she kind of, like, fell into the right situation. But, yeah, that's crazy. Like, just getting to that point would be so stressful. And then she did a thing about just really applying herself. And I thought it was amazing. She talks about how she started the first Tonga marathon and then the second one, and then how she ran a hundred kilometers around the Island. And I believe that's about 62 miles around the circumference of the Island. Yeah. Pretty crazy. 17 hours, 17 hours. So she's been pushing herself and also creating this community of people, you know, mixing with other expats and locals there. And I just thought that was, that was incredible. I think did she also say that she finished her master's degree while she was on the island or something crazy like that? Like t- yeah. total overachiever, crazy. Yeah, she took a you know on classes so she could get student loans and all that, and then work remotely or you know do the school remotely. And she's picked up writing gigs for us and for other places to kind of keep her time busy. But she's coming from she, you know she does tours to uh, North Korea for her job, and that's not coming back anytime soon because you know travel agencies tour group type of things that's gonna be a while so she's used to living in china in you know fast-paced life and then you go to this island where everything's slow they close completely on sundays everything's kind of a slow pace and i've even noticed this like coming from the detroit area to when you go up, up up to like northern michigan the pace of life is completely different and it's frustrating if you're there for a while like service takes longer to get your food waitresses and waiters take a little longer to bring your drinks and everything just is slower. So that's really what like built up the frustration for her because she's used to such a fast-paced life. She's younger. And I don't think she ever really felt like totally accepted there, which would be hard, you know, to Joe's point. Being by yourself and then not being accepted with uh, open arms would be really tough, especially for over a year. Well, you have to have an incredible amount of energy if you're running 100 kilometers. So that just tells you like all that stuff stored up inside from being there. And I can't recommend reading her piece enough. I don't think we've done it justice. I know Mark is working to bring her to the podcast. Probably when she leaves Tonga, she'll be on the podcast or we'll have her because we want her to tell her story instead of telling it for her. But I definitely recommend reading what she wrote. I was, I, I read it yesterday, was really excited about that. And just the adventure of it all, the, the sort of romantic adventure, Joe, of, uh, of being stuck on the island and, and what it would be like. To your point, probably I would be going nuts too, but... It's still an interesting thing and a story she has to tell for the rest of her life. Two things. First of all, if we got her on the podcast from Tonga, her internet would probably still be better than Sean's. So we should just make true. it happen Very regardless. True. Uh, well, not better God. than my internet, but yeah, better than it works for sure. <laughs> the second thing is probably a lot cheaper too. Uh, yeah. The second thing is um, if this were like the movies, if this were Hollywood, probably after 15 months – the local people will probably will start accepting her and I don't know if she will like change people's lives and everything will be changed. And I'm sure some of that has happened, but unfortunately you're like, we live in the real world. And I, I just think being somewhere so far away from everyone that you're not familiar with for so long, I mean, it really can take a toll. So if she's ready to leave, you know, I hope she finds a place to go that, you know, will just be the next step in her adventure. Cause she obviously lives a very adventurous and fun life, but, you know, every every destination has a time to leave. 
I'm kind of curious, you know, what would you guys do if you were single? And and I think this plays a role into it, too. You know, she's never had to deal with COVID stuff or, or you know, any type of precautions or masks and stuff. So maybe to her, it doesn't seem as bad as it does to us and stuff. So that kind of plays a role. Like, we're jealous that she's on this island where she can just live her life. And she's jealous that we're in this place where, you know, you know, her, where her friends are and stuff and your family is and people, you know, and you have that type of social structure, even if it is at a reduced rate of what it normally would be. And living in a place where people don't know you wherever you go type of thing, uh, which, you know, we lived in a small town for a while and it, it totally isn't when you're used to living in a big city and then you go to a small town. It's a different way of life, like it's something you're not used to where people will make comments to you and you'll be like, excuse me, who are you? Like, but they think that they have that right or know you because it's such a small town. So my question to you guys is, would you would you make the jump to go home? Or do you think you'd stick it out and just wait until kind of the dust settles with everything? Where would you be at with that? I think I'd be ready to go home. I've spent a year and a half on the road. So I've lived as a nomad. I've lived away from home for long periods of time. And I've learned enough about myself. When I'm traveling, when I'm going and, and experiencing new things, it's great, but then when I stop, I miss home, you know. And so if I was stopped in one place for so long, I know I would I would miss home. I just know it and I would uh definitely be looking to, to get out of there. But there's the trade-offs and it's just an interesting predi- uh, predicament that she's in. What about you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, I'm a total homebody. If I never had to leave home, I would be happy. So, I I think uh I realize that Wearing a mask, going to the grocery store, and all those co- all the COVID precautions that are coming back that we're going to talk about later is frustrating. But at the same time, I love being in my own house or my parents' house, I guess, which I'm, I'm perfectly happy here as well. But in general, you know, I don't really want to go anywhere. I'm a freaking old man now, so I just I do not feel the desire to like go out. You know, if Mark's around, I'll go out with you for a beer. But other than that, I'm I'm just not dying to like socialize. So it's just the phase of my life that I'm in. You know, if I was 22, I think this would be a much different conversation. But now I'm like a 40 40 year old man uh, with nothing. to Well, do then with let's my life, pretend so. you're 22. <laughs> All right. If I was 22, honestly, I still would want to go home. Like I just. <laughs> yeah. The difference is when I was 22, I wouldn't have mind necessarily being stranded in Tonga for like three months, but. 15 months is just way beyond probably what I would have been able to handle. I'm just, I'm not strong enough or maybe not strong enough, but not independent enough of a person to have been able to do that, which is why I say again, you know, so much respect to Zoe for what she's done. Um, It's just, you know, a great story. Yeah. And I think a big part of it plays in besides not feeling like completely welcomed is she hasn't been able to find work anywhere she's tried, but hasn't had any luck like working at a place in Tonga. So I think that would play a a completely different role, you know, if she had a daily job type of thing, something to look forward to each day or something to do. uh, I think that would have helped out a bit. I mean, the interesting thing is she's not even really going home. She's from the UK, but she hasn't lived in the UK in a very long time. So she can't go home to China, really. So she has to go home to the UK, which is not a place that she really wanted to go back to. But that's her options. And then she has to kind of navigate the whole, you know, she might have like four layovers on the way home and she has to navigate okay, if I fly this flight to here, you know, what's the, you know, can I transit through? Are they going to allow me? And then I have to connect here to there and stuff. And the, it's like once once a week, Tonga has a flight out. So it kind of like you have to time everything up with that one flight. So, and for somebody that's not into miles and points and used to doing crazy itineraries, I, I sure that would be daunting and, and something that would stress people out just thinking about it. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, with all the, the restrictions and everything changing, like we talked about. And Joe, in our private chat before the show, you said, welcome to 2020. And when we're talking about all these COVID restrictions and things happening and you talking right there, talking about how you're antisocial, all of that reminded me of March 2020, because I'm pretty sure you said exactly the same thing on the show uh, back then. Just uh, we're doing it all over again. So let's talk COVID restrictions. What's oh, before happening we, here? Before we move on, I want to say one more yeah. thing. In her article, she has a link to a fundraiser that she did with the marathon for animal shelter type of thing on Tonga. I guess they have an issue with having a lot of wild dogs, essentially, or, you know, homeless dogs, kind of like, what is it, Istanbul and cats. So that type of thing. And the crazy thing is they don't even have a veterinarian on the island. So this was huge, you know, the money they raised. So she has a GoFundMe page. There's a link to it in her article. So if you if you usually donate to things like that, consider donating to this one. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Absolutely. She's done really good work for there. That's what she organized the marathon for and all of that. And pretty amazing. Like I said, overachiever. All right. Let's talk about COVID restrictions. Joe, let's start with Disney and Vegas. How about that? Because those are things near and dear to, to our hearts, or at least Disney is to yours. This week, what happened at Disney? Yes. So Disney announced starting on July 31st, which if you're listening to this has already happened, that masks will be required indoors again for everyone, regardless of vaccination status. They also announced, which was, I think, bigger news to people that cast members will need to be vaccinated. Now, right now, this excludes unionized cast members, which make up a big chunk of the main workforce in Disney World. But the college program has come back, and I don't think they are part of the union, so they'll all have to be vaccinated. All the random cast members, like the ones who work for Pixar and Marvel and stuff like that, I think they're all going to have to be vaccinated. I think the that, random cast members. I mean, <laughs> the ones that actually make money, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to be covered by that. <laughs> Ouch. That's sad, but true. Raise your minimum wage, Disney. Basically, they are kind of rolling things back a little bit. They have not brought back social distancing. So before they were like running shows only at like one third capacity and stuff like that. That hasn't happened again yet. We'll see how it is. Florida right now is not doing super great. They broke the record for a number of cases in a day just this past week. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not looking amazing, although hospitalizations are not as bad as they were at the peak. Um, so we'll see how it is. But I know Vegas also went back to indoor masks. I think that was... So for Dis for Disney, Disney had to do it because Florida is it's illegal to have a mask mandate by the government. So Disney has the private company enforce the mask mandates at Disney World and Disneyland. But I think in Vegas, it was the governor who did it. Right. And so casinos have to go back to masks. Yeah, it's interesting how they sort of both came to the same conclusion, but for different reasons, as you point out. Uh, yeah, the governor had said any counties that are in certain hot spots or have certain metrics as defined by the CDC are going to have to wear masks indoors. So that's what's happened. And I was on the strip a little bit and enforcement was a little bit lax. I'd say most people had masks on, but if you didn't have a mask on, I didn't see people telling them to put back on. But uh, I expect that enforcement will come up and then uh, it's just a matter of hopefully we can keep capacity at 100%. Just like at Disney, everything's still at 100%. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mark and I are going to talk more about this on our MTM Vegas show about uh, people canceling bookings, you know, how to look for deals. So if you want to know more, I guess, about the Vegas specific aspect of that, check out this week's MTM Vegas on on the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. Mark, there's some wider travel 
policies changing around COVID too, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we talked about on MTM Vegas last week how it was like 12 out of 17 counties in Nevada were above the levels. I was like, wow, 17 counties seems super tiny, like a small amount of counties. And we joked about that. And I, I just wanted to say I looked up Michigan just as a point of reference, and we have 83 counties. So I was right. It was very, <laughs> very, very <laughs> small amounts. But um, interesting one is Mexico just rolled it out in certain areas, like popular destinations like Cancun. Uh, that type of thing, like the governor of, how do you say it? Quintana Roo? Quintana Roo. Quintana Roo. The governor of that area uh, mandated that they have to have vaccination or a negative test, which, you know, Mexico's kind of been the the safe haven for Americans. We You know, we wrote on the site just a couple days ago that we're, they were breaking all kinds of records for American airlines, not actually AA, but like American-owned airlines for the amount of people bring they were bringing in and flights coming into Mexico was like an at all time high. So it's kind of been like the place people have gone. They haven't really had any restrictions, but now they are rolling out restrictions in the high tourist areas, hotspots because cases are higher. So if you have a trip coming up to Mexico in the next couple of months, you definitely want to check that out. You're going to need some stuff that you probably weren't planning on having, but it's just kind of what we've seen, you know, places that have been open like Vegas, like Florida, Mexico, you're seeing, okay, you know, things are getting a little out of control. So let's make some adjustments. So 2020, 2021 type of thing, just you have to be ready to change on the fly because it's going to happen everywhere. And that's the the one thing we have to worry about. Like, is this going to end up other places that we travel to? You know, what's the future going to hold? Is it going to spike and, and drop off kind of like United Kingdom, which just opened up to Americans? You know, kind of how their cases dropped right off a cliff. Maybe that's going to happen here, too. We'll have to wait and see, but you don't know until we know. So it'll be interesting couple months. Yeah, with the UK, I also saw that it was a big deal, right? Jack Blue is starting to fly to the UK and those flights are starting, but they changed their schedules. They like reduced the schedule of flying to the UK just because of this kind of second, thir- fourth, what, whatever surge this is. The wave, the wave, yeah. the whatever wave. <laughs> because of this extra wave. And we're not talking Olympic surfing, which is rad, by the way. It's just kind of affecting everything. This is, you know, I just saw Lindsey Graham tested positive for COVID today, and he wrote online that he's very thankful to be vaccinated. So I would just say, personally, I'm very thankful to be vaccinated as well, because I do see that this variant seems more contagious. But if I get it, I'm not too worried about getting very sick. I'm still like crossing my fingers that my kids can get vaccinated by the end of the year or early 2022. And after that, at that point, I'm going to be ready to put all this behind me unless there is some crazy mutation. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't know. It does feel like it's been a bit of a yo-yo. I think I'm much more willing to put on a mask than you guys but even i feel like oh man this kind of sucks to be going backwards uh, a little bit so you know it just sucks for travel in general sucks for life in general it is what it is i guess as it has been for the last 18 months yeah for sure it's tough for everybody and it's gonna be tough and we all just need to be kind and you know get through this on the other side stay positive i've seen a lot of people sort of result in negativity on either side no matter what you believe just remember, we're all kind of going through this together and have some compassion and kindness for your fellow man. Now, with that said, people listen to this podcast because they like to travel and because they look for good deals, right? So that's part of what we do here. So what do you, I mean, part of travel lately has been flight cancellations, schedule changes. They've been struggling to staff up. Now, all of a sudden you throw this other wave in and there's uncertainty in the future. You talk about JetBlue canceling those flights to London. Maybe now there's demand for them because right after they cancel them, 
then it kind of opens up. How do you think it's going to affect, you know, what's happening now is going to affect flight schedules for the fall? What should people be doing when they're planning any trips they may be taking this fall? Well, knowing the airlines, they're going to be three months behind whatever it is. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm so tired of flight changes, man. Every flight I book, especially Delta, Delta seems to be the worst for me. I'll get like six, seven changes over a two month period. And, you know, I booked my mom to fly home uh, before I go to Vegas in September and her flight has changed like six, seven times. And they kept, it started as a 7 p.m. flight, which I specifically booked so that she could work a full day and then get on the airplane. And they bumped it to five and then to four and then to two and then to 12. I'm like, what? This is nowhere near the vicinity. And then I look it up and they show they have a 5 p.m. flight, you know, that they added back in. And I'm like, well, why, why didn't you move her back to that? So I had to, you know, get on the Delta chat, which took like four hours for them to respond. But it's better than sitting on hold, which you can get uh, through their app. So definitely go that route versus calling in. Although there is like a special number that you can call and get get in pretty quick. But um, yeah, so I did that and, you know, I got her back on the 5 p.m. flight. They moved her, no problem. Didn't, you know, try to charge extra or whatever. But it's just very frustrating. And, you know, we've talked about how we're kind of rusty with travel. And this is like, you know, next level stuff having to, to manage all these bookings with changes of times all the time so that's kind of annoying what's the future bring i don't know hopefully cheaper flights to vegas because vegas is is super expensive right now um in other places like alaska hopefully car rentals if you know people are starting to cancellation car rentals open up i do think that there will be kind of like a dull uh, a lull not a dull (laughs) a lull in travel um which normally comes once kids go back to school but i think kind of like the spikes will have people cancellations you know, we're going to talk on the MTM Vegas show that there's been a lot of cancellations for Vegas. So I think that's going to kind of go around and, you know, we'll probably see a little bit better deals coming back and not sky high hotel prices like we've seen over the summer. So I do think that maybe we'll get more back to the mean or, you know, the average of where it should be. Yeah, I think the September shoulder season is going to be nicer than normal price wise, at least, because I think you're going to have a combination of it seems like by late August, that is when things are going to get to the point where some people are going to start canceling it. Like I already have friends who were supposed to go to Disney World over Labor Day weekend, but they just canceled. You know, so I think people are seeing like trips that are like next week, people are probably going to go on. But trips that are like maybe a month out, some people are going to start canceling and more people are going to cancel than are going to book uh, just the way things are. We're like it's funny because now you'll have some people canceled because mask mandates are back and they don't want to go like for Vegas or Disney World. There's a lot of people who do that. But then there's also people who are going to cancel because the cases are too high. So even though the mask mandates are back, they also don't want to go. And so I think it's going to snowball into this thing where in September you're just going to see low occupancies at places like Disney World and Las Vegas, where you normally would in September, but I think it's going to be extra low. So there might be a lot of value there for people who either can take their kids out of school or you know don't have kids, which lucky you. So the name of the game is flexibility. <laughs> lucky you. You don't have children. Yeah. You're lucky. USOB. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so like the, like I love my the kids, na- and I know there are people who want kids who can't. So I, my apologies. Go ahead, Sean. No, so just like before, the name of the game is flexibility and looking for last-minute things. That can be a good thing when it comes to uh, to value with all of these changes. But definitely look out for flight changes. Look out for more craziness around staffing, 
all of this stuff because this just creates more unpredictability for travel providers, which leads us to the next thing, which is American Express doing this travel survey, which I thought was really interesting. They came they, now it was done in June, so it was before all of this latest developments, but it's still some interesting things. For instance, consumer travel bookings had reached 95% of May 2019 levels. So basically, consumer travel almost all the way back. Um, there was people taking 47% said they're going to take more trips this year, this summer than they were before. Um, you know, did anything stand out to you guys with this? I just thought it was interesting to throw in here. It's clear that people are traveling more than ever. And with everything we just talked about, the future is certainly uncertain. But I think this is a great sign of no matter what happens when we really do end the pandemic, travel is going to be insane. It's going to be expensive and everybody's going to be out there. I do wonder, like, I would have loved to see some business aspect to this. You know, business travel is way down. And I think it's all consumer travel, you know, you know, vacation travel has kind of taken the place. And I'm going to be writing an article in the next couple of days kind of talking about, I think this is what's playing a role into all the craziness on flights is because normally flights are a huge portion of them are business travelers that are just getting from point A to B. And now we have a lot of I think we have a lot of first-time travelers out there or a lot of people that can't normally travel because they don't have time off of work or they don't have enough money. And right now they have a lot of both maybe. So I think that that's the issues we're seeing on there. You know, people that aren't used to it, stressed out and just, you know, COVID fatigue and all that. And it all rolls into one and blows up. So it doesn't surprise me that the consumer levels are so high um, in, in pent-up demand from a year of not traveling and then people not spending money for a year on, you know, bars, restaurants, stuff like that. So I think that that's why they're willing to take extra trips this year because they have a little bit of extra cushion type of thing. So, yeah, it was interesting for sure. But are we ever going to get back to normal travel? (laughs) I'll tell you what that Amex survey made me think. It made me think I wish I had booked our extended family Disney trip for June, not August, because we would have checked off that we were planning to travel. But the reality is we've canceled our August Disney World trip, we canceled it before. In fact, if the mask mandates had come back before we canceled, we might have considered still going. But we just decided with, this was in early July, we just decided that we weren't comfortable going. We pushed it to 2022. It'll also be cooler when we go. We won't go in the middle of the summer. Uh, Yeah, why would you go in August? I mean, the reality was that like I was the one pushing it more. So once... So once I was more like yeah, Astro Glide or what is that glide stuff? Body glide, yes. <laughs> I mean, I use it every day, but uh, not sponsored. But the reality was, once I was ready to be like, okay, we should move this, then we decided to move it. Luckily, we got a. We're still traveling though, so I guess we would still would have qualified for saying that we were still traveling on the survey um, because we ended up renting. I, I said this last week. We rented a house in the Outer Banks, so you know, I think. Uh, I'm still traveling watch- a lot. I just changed the way that uh, we ended up traveling this summer. Did you no, watch I did the not Netflix watch show while you no. were there? Come on. That's we'll next week, so I'll watch it next week when I'm there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first season's actually like not bad until like the last couple episodes, then it just goes way over. Like it's You're following along. You're like, okay, this seems legit, like plausible. And then the last two episodes, you're like, okay, they went way over the top here. But I haven't started season two yet. It's always fun, though, to watch a show related to where you're staying. You know, I've talked about yes. watching Lost in Translation while staying at the Park Hyatt Tokyo, stuff like that. Very nerdy, yep. very fun. Uh, aside, you wrote that we were going to talk about the Olympics in banter, 
And I just want to say that between watching the Olympics and I went to this Japanese grocery store in northern New Jersey called Mitsuya, which is a dream of a store, grocery and also like a food court and stuff like that. Lots of soy sauce. So much soy sauce. I miss. <laughs> Jess, Jess looked it up online. She, there was this rice that we can't get up in New England. And she's like, buy a bag of this rice. So I, I, we bought a bag of rice too. Anyway, I miss Japan so much. I That is like probably at the top of my list of where I want to go once we're ready to travel internationally again. I thought it would have been Europe because it's easier, but I don't know. I miss Japan so much. I just really want to get back there. So between the Olympics and uh, all the Japanese stores that we've been going to while we're in New Jersey, miss that place. Yeah, I was uh, just thinking about the Olympics. I went to the 2008 Olympics in Beijing, and because of the the craziness with the Summer Olympics happening this year, like I didn't even realize that the Winter Olympics are in February in Beijing. And so I was like, oh, I should, I really want to go to Beijing for the Olympics. But recognizing that that probably isn't going to happen, and Japan certainly, I miss it a, a lot too. And it's been great to see the games. Kind of sad to see it without audiences, and sad for I guess the athletes, but at least they're still getting that experience to some level. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. I haven't watched it all too much. What's been your favorite thing to watch uh, this go around? Yeah. The the thing that bothers me with the Olympics is everything still says 2020, which kind of, it's like, I understand they already made the signs and everything. But it kind <laughs> Jasmine of said the me. same thing. <laughs> Look, it annoys way me. over like... budget. Okay. They can't make new t-shirts. Okay. Poor Japan. Oh. They're, they're billions or trillions of dollars in debt. Don't make them make new t-shirts. Mark. Um, I'll say, heart. uh, Watching uh, women's soccer versus the Netherlands was fun. I put the $50 on it, even though Joe said he thought the women would lose. I put it on the U.S. team. I did not say that. I said they could lose. He said, "He said I don't know if they'll go over either, and they went way over. So that was uh, I said, I was thinking of betting the over, but then it was 3.5. If it was 2.5, I was like, definitely bet the over, but then it was 3.5. But yeah, they went over. So it was a good game. I mean, I think, you know, my favorite sporting event all time is March Madness, but my favorite thing in a sport is a penalty kick shootout to end a game in soccer. So, or hockey, I guess. Yeah, shootout in hockey is fun too. But, um, so it was cool to see that happen, you know, like in a in a game that meant a lot versus, you know, an early round game type of thing. That was that was probably the highlight for me. Of course, everybody's going to say the gymnastic stuff with the craziness of uh, Simone Biles pulling out and everything. That's kind of unique. Something we'll probably remember. And then Suni Lee stepping up and winning gold in the all round is pretty crazy. And I'll just, you know, Ryan lives in Brazil and there's been a whole bunch of people in Brazil that have won medals for the first time. And uh, so that's interesting to see. And and uh, countries that have won a medal for the first time. And I shared it around the web, how much people get paid for medals by the country and smaller countries pay like super high. I think Singapore pays like a million dollars, basically, if you win a gold medal, because it's so rare that in, in with the US, it's like 30 grand. So that's kind of fun to see, you know, life changing type of things. So I've enjoyed that. I mean, obviously, gymnastics is really exciting. Finally, when you're listening to this, it won't be a spoiler anymore, but I was super happy Jade Carey won this morning as we were recording this because I felt bad. She was like going to be the only U.S. female gymnast going home without a medal. With the whole Simone Biles thing, it ended up working. We'll see what happens. We don't know what happened. Simone said today that she's going to do the beam, so we don't know what happened with that. But what happened was every single gymnast ended up going home with a medal, which would not have been able to have happened if Simone hadn't dropped out. Not that. Well, she got the I'm... team medal, didn't she? Or no? Jade Carey and Michaela. Skinner, they were not on the team. So they were there as individuals, oh, okay. but with USA. Okay. So because Simone dropped out, Michaela got to do the vault and she won silver, but then Jade yep. 
fell. So she was like crying about the vault, but then she won on floor this morning gold. So all the U.S. female gymnasts are going home happy. Um, and so, you know, all the best to Simone as well. We don't know what's going on, but uh, mental health is a real thing. But I won't add any commentary on that. But the thing that I've really enjoyed about this Olympics is the new sports, like skateboarding and I guess BMX, I think, is not new, but just watching stuff like that and surfing, like all the extreme sports, it's weird because it used to be like all X Games type stuff, but it's just so fun to watch. And the skateboarding, I don't know if you caught the skateboarding finals, the women's skateboarding finals, but they were not women. They were girls. Two 13-year-olds and a 16-year-old won gold, silver, and bronze in uh, one of the skateboarding Yeah, and one was one was from Brazil, so... She, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan was saying in our Slack chat, Ryan, uh, who writes for the site, he was like, you know, she came and said, don't come to the airport to congratulate me, you know, and, and Tony Hawk shared a tweet of hers, like when she was like seven, where she's wearing a fairy. Yeah, outfit yeah, yeah. that's and, when like, she wipes went viral, out, like, yeah. Yeah, she wiped out like twice and then hits like a kickflip or I don't know what it was, but so that was kind of cool. It was definitely cool to see. I was excited to see baseball back at the Olympics just because I... Got to see Cuba and the USA play in 2008 in the last Olympics that had baseball. Then they took it out. It all revolves around Sean. No, I, it's a it's a cool sport to to watch. It's a cool sport. It's yeah. one of the more international sports. It's kind of it's crazy that like golf wasn't in the Olympics for so long. Like you think of all these sports that Xander USA, and then they have like random sports like I don't know. I don't even know. But like hitting a, shooting a ping pong ball out of your mouth or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> crazy like that is in the is in the Olympics, but not golf. No, I think that was the, I think that was the Olympics. Did you mix up where the ping pong ball came? Out. <laughs> I couldn't say. I was trying to stay away I from know. it, John. <laughs> no, I know you were going there, and then you pivoted at the last minute. Yeah. I, I, all right. One other great moment that I really enjoyed, I, I sent it to you guys in the in the private Slack, was the high jump, right? The, there was a somebody from Qatar and from Italy, and they had the same jump, and they basically decided to give each other the gold to stop the competition there, and they shared the gold. And just seeing their joy, I thought that was really an interesting moment of sportsmanship and camaraderie, and I thought that was really cool. It's what the Olympics are about, and uh, I'm totally buying into it, Joe. I'm, I'm enjoying the Olympics every four years, and uh, I'm excited that just in February we get the Winter Olympics. It's kind of like when we were kids when they happened in the same year. Well, it's crazy. Like, even for soccer fans, Euro 2020, quote-unquote, was this summer, but then the World Cup is next December. And then even for the women, normally World Cup and Olympics are back-to-back years, but now they're, like, spread out. So it just feels like, you know, we're getting all the sports that we missed last year, which is really nice. Is the U.S. going to make it this year for World Cup? Or this time. The men? Hey, yeah. they beat Mexico for two trophies in one summer. I'll take it. Yeah, they beat Mexico <laughs> so last yes? night in Vegas. Is that a yes? <laughs> no. Look, you know you know who I root for, Mark. Okay? Any team I root for, I never believe that they're going to do whatever they're capable of until they actually do it. And if it's the Mets, they never do it. So I'm, I'm going to call right what, now. 86? Was it 86? Yeah, 86. <laughs> I was five years old. Curse me the rest of your life. I'll tell you right now. Today is... August 2nd, the Mets are four games in front in the NL East. They will not make the playoffs. I promise you that, everybody. (laughs) Reverse jinx. All right, and let's uh, head to rapid fires. Mark, start us off. Yeah, my rapid fire is my monthly update on saving for college. Uh, It's been basically a year since I started, but 13 deposits. Um, So that's kind of fun because, you know, you start day one, you deposit. So 
Um, this month, I used the remi- remainder of my Brex bonus, which was you know $1,100 for that, which was a crazy deal. I still don't know what they were thinking with that one. For a big chunk of it, and then I cashed out 50,000 uh, thank you points with my premiere. This was before they announced the AA transfers, which I might not have done it at that point. Might have saved it for that. but So I, I used the rest of it, uh, a chunk from that, to cover the rest of it. So I'm right around $7,000 so far after a year, and this has all been done with travel hacking from bank bonuses, credit card signups, you know, just from everyday spend, cashing out points or, or doing Amex offers and stuff. So it's something everybody can do, uh, whether it be for saving for a house or going for a retirement fund or saving for your kid's college. Hopefully by the time they're there, I can afford like a year or something out of it. I don't know. If college prices keep going up, who knows? I might get one book out of this, but it's kind of fun, been fun to do. It's kept me on track. Um, so I've enjoyed that, you know, hopefully you enjoyed following along and, and hopefully you join in and do something similar, you know, cause it's, it, it gives you a goal. And when you have a goal, you usually do more than you would have. So that's mine. How about you, Joe? Just turn your kids into Olympic swimmers and then they can go to college on scholarship. There you go. So that's, that's the only solution. <laughs> <laughs> then you can use all this money for yourself. Um, my rapid fire is Ryan wrote a post on whether, your credit card travel insurance still is good if you cancel the credit card before your trip? The short answer is no, but you should check out the post because it is a good reminder that your credit cards do come with travel insurance, a lot of them. And also there are a lot of good links in there that are just travel insurance related in general. So I think it can send you on a little rabbit hole on the website. But with everything that's going on right now, like we talked about in this episode, it is good to know what your travel insurance options are, credit card and otherwise. And also a good reminder that you know these benefits are available to you. So make sure you use them and take advantage of them, especially stuff like bag assistance if your trip gets delayed because who knows? Maybe Delta will change your flight time five hours on the day of because Mark knows that they yes. do it whenever they want. So <laughs> I will say, um, you know, I usually put all my travel on whatever card I'm working for a sign up bonus. I don't focus on the insurance so much, but I think, you know, I've changed my my way of thinking over the last year just because there's been so many changes that I'm I'm willing to give up some of the points and have to put a little bit of extra effort and put it on a card that I know has decent insurance as well as making it easier. Cause how many times have you had like a cancellation? You're like, Oh crap, which, which card did I put that on? What sign up bonus was I doing that month that I booked it? And I, you have to go back to ensure that they actually properly credited it. So that makes it easier for that aspect too. And my rapid fire is some bad news coming in for people who like to play games with American express DDG covered on the site. There are people who have applied for credit cards with American Express. They get the dreaded pop-up that says you're not eligible for a bonus. They go forward with it anyway. Then they get paid the bonus, even though the pop-up came up. And apparently American Express, Joe's favorite, uh, the rat, is coming and clawing those points back. Not a surprise. You play with American Express, they're probably going to get you in the end, one way or the other. You you play with the bull, you're going to get the horns. That's what you wanted to say. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So there you go. So yeah, don't play with Amex. We're at, you can find the details on the site. DDG has it written up and that's going to do it for this week's show. Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to the MTM podcast? Well, for the next few weeks, you can still find me somewhere up and down the East coast. But uh, if you want to connect with me online, you can find me at as flies all over social media. What about you, Mark? Well, speaking of East Coast, I, I should tell a quick story, uh, you know, because my parents love when I tell us our travel stories and how messed up they were as a child. But 
So we, when we were living in Jersey once, Joe, my parents one, you know, for weekends we would just drive places and check things out, like that was our thing. So like, hey, let's go to Maine this weekend. They didn't have any reservations, nothing. They drive up to Maine and uh, come to find out nothing was available. Like so, in the middle of the night, they had to turn back, and we ended up going backtracking a couple states till they could find a place to stay, like at three a.m. And we're all like passed out in the van and everything because come to find out the president was visiting Maine at that time. So everybody was staying, <laughs> staying there. So you're a little up and down the East Coast made me think of that. But anyway, uh, where they can find me, Mark, uh, Detroit Mark on Twitter at Detroit Mark, uh, Mark at Miles Memories. You can email me there. Join our Facebook group. Join our Diamond Patreon group if you want to have fun, meet some cool people, get some extra podcasts and content and all that stuff. Um, or comment on the website, and I'll get back to you there. How about you, Sean? You can find 30, 40, 50 posts a week at milestomemories.com. We have all of our Vegas content, youtube.com forward slash milestomemories. And if you want to dive deeper into the world of miles and points, join us for the meetups like the one we're having in Denver this weekend, private Facebook, private Slack, bonus content every week, patreon.com forward slash milestomemories. Just $10 a month. We have a couple hundred awesome people in that group. Hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Man, Sean's really in Tonka right now. Yeah. <laughs> Double check that your audacity is running. It is. Okay. You have a... Uh, the last one before this one, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what you said. So Joe, I, there's only one of us who commits to a rapid fire before the show and puts it on the paper. I got to start putting, <laughs> I got to start putting like rapid fires that I don't pick, like put the wrong one. Maybe on you there. should make it so that we can all edit oh it. Oh my and gosh. Then we can you put our what? own. You guys can't edit it? You know, you no, know we what cannot is, edit it. Why, why you know wouldn't you is, have just told me that before now? I would have made you guys, I don't know you guys couldn't you know, edit it. You know what is terrible, Sean? And I apologize so much. I actually read the notes and saw that you picked that. But for some reason I forgot when I was looking at mine three minutes ago. Oh, it's all right. So. Cause I have, I have the other one that I did, but all right. I'll, I'll did you say $10 a week or a month? Oh, my God. $10 a month will. There you go, Joe. You could cut that in.